Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Good Life Podcast with Mike Safosnik, coming to you live from my studio apartment here in New York City. I'm really hoping the audio quality sounds all right tonight. It's not only a different microphone, but unfortunately, my guest isn't sitting across from me at Jack Dempsey's bar. He's sitting across the Atlantic Ocean in his beautiful home country of Denmark. But before I get to tonight's guest, who's the youngest person to visit every country in the world, let me thank everyone who has listened to and subscribed to any of my shows. It can be found by searching Mike Sappho, M-I-K-E-S-A-F-O, on iTunes or any other podcast app. We all know from listening to my show that my biggest passions in life, sports, traveling, and reading. I'll throw family in there because they're probably listening. The travel life. It's a weird thing that many say they love to do. Not many get to do it for one reason or another. Uh, The whole wanderlust thing, it's so real. We're going to get to more of it. But my guest is calling in all the way from Denmark. The Guinness Book of World Records holder for being the youngest person to visit every country in the world. I hope I'm getting his uh, name correctly. With a name like Mike Safosnik. I'm allowed to mess up a name or two. Henrik, I believe it's Yesapin, calling all the way from Denmark. Henrik, thank you for calling my, uh, the show, my friend. Thank you very much for having me on. I have to correct you there. I don't have a world record. Uh, it's a story we can get to later, but I, I don't hold the world record. Well, if you don't have the record, Henrik, this interview is going to be over. And <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it was a short conversation, my shortest interview to date. We had a good time. Now, Henrik, you're part of a pretty exclusive club. Only a few people have visited every single country in the world. And one thing I'm going to try to do, I interviewed Lee Abamante. He's, I guess, a mutual friend or a mutual travel friend of both of ours. I try to make the interview as non-generic as possible, but I have to go with the ultra-generic two or three questions. When did this love of traveling start? And when did you set the goal to visit every country and be one of the youngest persons ever to do it? Um, I began traveling um, when I was 17. I went alone to Egypt. But before that, I um, developed this love for travel through through television, uh, watching programs from different countries, uh, movies from all over the world. Um, and when you look at movies from Italy or South Korea, you 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 get this feeling that this could this could never have been made in in Hollywood. So. It's like stepping into a completely different world, but I wanted to not only watch those movies on, on television, I want to actually go out travel to those destinations to really feel them. So that's when the love of um, travel started in my teenage years. And then when I was 17, I, I went alone to Egypt and Southeast Asia, and that developed to a goal of visiting 50 countries. And um, then when I reached 50, I wanted to do 100. And when I reached 100, I wanted to do all of them. And... Are you a landmark kind of guy? Like, let me explain. Right now, I base my travels a lot on landmarks. Okay, let me go to Machu Picchu, and I'll knock out Peru. Uh, two months ago, I really, I actually watched a documentary. I wanted to go see the Colosseum and the Sistine Chapel, so I went to Rome. And then from there, I'll navigate to other countries and other cities. Are you a landmark kind of guy? Not at all. I travel more for people. Um, I like to see the main sites where, where I go, but... I would much rather have, instead of just following a list of things I have to see, to, to go there and have um, 
experiences with people. So meaning that if you go to Amer the United States of America to do that country justice in terms of landmarks and sightseeing, you'll probably have to, you know, have a checkmark list of thousands of things. But if you just go to all these sites and don't interact with the locals, I think you, you, you have lost a, and, and a very important aspect of traveling. Are there any major landmarks, like something big, whether it be Machu Picchu, Auschwitz, anywhere that you haven't seen yet that you really are dying to see? Um, that's a good question. It's usually not a question I get often. Um, I have seen, I think, what they call the seven wonders of the world, so the main sites. I've, I mean, the really big ones. I've, I try to see the biggest ones wherever I go. Um, like if you go to, to France, of course, you see the Eiffel Tower. If you go to Peru, you must see Machu Picchu. And it is one of my favorite sites in the world, so I, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I think it's spectacular. Um, I, I don't think I have any sites left that I would like to, I, I'm dying to see very much so, no. You, you said the best thing about traveling is the people. And I want to tell you, and hopefully I want to hear maybe a comparable story. When I was in Prague uh, two years ago, my buddy John and I, you know, we're just out doing a pub crawl. And we see these two other guys there, you know, we're just hanging out, want to go talk to some girls, whatever. Uh, these two guys end up being from Argentina. My travel buddy is Argentinian. We, had a, we have a lifelong friendship there. I just went down to Buenos Aires in March for two weeks. They're coming up here in December, Alan and Gaston. And you meet these real travelers and the connection you have, it's something like you can't even explain it to your hometown friends. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the people you meet on the road, my problem is, and that's one thing we maybe can talk about later, but... The biggest sacrifice I probably had to make is uh, loneliness when you travel. I mean, you don't have much contact with friends and family. Instead, you meet some amazing people all the time. But you usually only meet them once. Very few people I have met again in my journey. So um, it's very sad because you have just you feel like after one or two hours of talking to to a complete stranger that you, you're kind of like best friends. But then you know. <laughs> I mean, 99.9% of the time, I never get to meet that person again. And I, I do sometimes think that's uh, quite sad because, um, but then again, it's good that the world is full of amazing, friendly people everywhere in the world because that makes travel a lot more enjoyable. And I can't say I've really I've visited any country in the world where I didn't feel welcome. It was certainly not my uh, perception of the world when I, when I was a teenager. I thought it would be very dangerous to travel around different places and and in many places, people will not welcome me. But it, it's been the complete opposite of what I what I had in mind when I was young. Um, so, so I'm just happy to say that the world is a safe place and it's a very welcoming place. And uh, you can travel, I think, anywhere these days. I mean, even in very dangerous countries, they take very well care of you. So, and and welcome you with open arms. So, definitely, uh, travel is. Is, is the best my decision to travel to this extent has been perhaps my best decision it's funny I make a I don't write down word for word what to say but I have like a little index card with a few things and my next bullet point was I want to focus more on you rather than the countries because um, a lot of times you'll interview somebody how was this country what's your favorite I don't want to do that I want to focus more on you and you kind of just answered the question, what is the biggest sacrifice that you've made in this journey? Yeah, like I said before, it's, it's very much that you, you, I mean, for me at least, um, you spend a lot of time alone. 
Um, that's simply because friends cannot easily join you on an expensive trip to a dangerous country. I mean, especially if you take Africa, flights are very expensive. Um, Safety-wise, it's it's also a concern. It's not, and also not many people's dream destination to go to, um, let's say, South Sudan. They would much rather go to Hawaii uh, if they have a choice. So, so there's not many people that can join you, you know. And so I've traveled alone 98% of the time, I think, approximately. Uh, only friends have joined for the more safer countries, and then I went with uh, two American. Um, people uh to to people i know um from the internet i i went with them to afghanistan um but besides this I, it's uh, friends have only joined in more comfortable places where there's not been much risk um another sacrifice is that i have done this on such a low budget that i've had to hitchhike in many places and i have been terrified in many situations where i've had to hitchhike in in dangerous places, even in um, before I knew about Uber in South Africa, in uh, I think three or four years ago, I actually hitchhiked in Johannesburg, in the suburbs of Johannesburg, which is one of the so-called most dangerous cities in the world. It's definitely not a place I would like to hitchhike again, um, <laughs> but I managed to do it successfully. But I mean, I've had to do all these sacrifices because I uh, have traveled with very little money, especially from 2012 to 2016. Um, I, I just try to not to spend any money at all whenever I mean I had to evaluate every single thing that I would spend money on so just in the supermarket if I could buy something that would be 50 cents less I, w I would do that uh, it was just a matter of surviving the journey when I got to the um, to the last part of the, the trip of the project now I want to talk about the traveling on a budget because that's always the biggest concern for many people but a question did you grow up in a family of travelers? And uh, what do they think when you tell them you go to these exotic places? Because my family, I'm going to Africa in November 22nd. I'm leaving for Africa. And my family here is Africa, and they get so crazy and so worked up. Did you grow up in a family of travelers where they accepted it and were like, okay, go have fun? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, we went <laughs> maybe on a trip to, to, to neighboring countries. The, the only big trip we did was to the south of France when I was 12. So they know very little about travel. It's only because of me watching foreign films and have an interest in, developed an interest in travel from television and foreign films. Um, so they are very scared, uh, I think, when I go to the so-called dangerous places. Now in Africa, there will only be a few places that would really, um, where they would really be concerned for me. So that will maybe be some place like Central African Republic uh, South Sudan, maybe Burundi. The situation at the moment, at least, is not not so good. Um, of course, Somalia. Um, besides this, I think that Africa is is safe. Um, there's not much to worry about. It maybe you have a high crime rate in places like South Africa, but when you are well traveled, when you start to travel to place in Africa, you um, you become a, more aware about uh, you, your whereabouts, and you, 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 it's easier for you to use common sense. And um, yeah. and and I mean, the more the more you travel, the smarter you become in terms of what to do at all times. Now you mentioned the cost and the money thing. How did you go about branding yourself? Like now, I know now you're you're sponsored, you have that. But early on, how did you go about the whole saving money aspect and? Like, did you put yourself in debt by traveling so much to achieve this goal? 
Yeah, I had a good agreement with the local bank. Um, so they allowed uh, a, a certain amount of money, which we had to extend a few times. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, just because it's, it, it, I, I can't travel for, for, for um, on absolutely zero. Like I did this interview with CNN. It came out some hours ago, and um, I estimated maybe my whole project around 3,000 days of travel um, outside Denmark approximately have cost me approximately $80,000 and that's uh, around $25 a day and that's not I mean $80,000 sounds like a lot but when it's almost total of everyday traveling outside Denmark is um, is 3,000 days total and it and it's uh, equivalent to uh, $25 it's not really that much because if you look at how much cost of living is in the United States and in Denmark, it is it is expensive just to live, and uh, so I think actually it's been cheaper for me to to travel than if I had decided to just stay in Denmark for those three thousand days, and that also has a lot to do with a lot of days where when I traveled were actually completely cost free, but there are just certain certain situations and cert- on certain days where you can't travel um, free of charge, like if you need an expensive visa. Or you need to you need to um, buy an airplane ticket, uh, you know. So, um, but but on many days I have really minimized my cost to zero or to just a few dollars. Now, Henrik, I read an interview about you. It might have been on the CNN one today that you tweeted, and I feel that it's, it's like a contradiction. You say how you hitchhiked, but then you and you want to eat in a supermarket, the cheapest food. But then you were saying how you love these Michelin star restaurants and these five star resorts. Did you just calculate it like I'll go cheaper in this country and more expensive in this country? Because it seemed like you were going both ways with it. I was trying to catch on and join on. Oh, no. Oh, no. It, it's all sponsors like you talked about earlier. I have paid okay. for one Michelin restaurant, I think, in my life, and that was in Budapest. And that was that is, I think, the cheapest or one of the cheapest Michelin restaurants in the world. It was only around $20, maybe less. Otherwise, these very expensive, exclusive restaurants, I simply just write to them and offer to do a promotion. So they get something good in return for, for something that costs them very little. Um, the same with hotels. If they have a room available, the cost for them is it's, it's, it's very minimal. And um, they get something in, in return, and they get the, the chance to participate in an exciting travel project. So um, for me, that's, that's, that's been my selling point, this, this, this journey, this about going to every country in the world. Um, so so this, this, this has not been, it's all been trying to keep costs down. But it is true that one day I could, I could eat in a three-star Michelin restaurant and the next day I might be in a remote location where the hotel would not include my dinner and I would simply go hungry to bed. I've also gone hungry <laughs> to bed many times simply because I, I couldn't afford it. So one day would be maybe, a, I don't know, four or $500 meal and the next day could be, I could just be really, really hungry, go very, very hungry to bed, or I will sneak down to the to the gym and hope they will have some fruit for in-house uh, guests. You know, so this is pretty much how I did it. So now, in my intro, I said that you were the youngest person, erroneously, to visit all. Um, was that your goal to set out? I know you visited every country, all 193, which is fascinating. Isn't even the word, but. Were you on pace to be the youngest, and what happened? The thing is, I think Lee also talked about. I'm not sure if it was in your uh, podcast or not, but um, there's the, the, the United Nations list is constantly changing. So 
Mm-hmm. I think the last time they had someone in the book was uh, a British Italian guy. He was 29, and that's maybe 12, 13, 14 years ago. Um, but then what happened was um, there's actually a guy from England um, that uh, in an interview said he was earlier, but he, like me, he does not have a, um, or unlike me, he does not have a, a public profile. So he does not have a website where he puts out photos from his travels and all of this. Like I, I'm, I might be the only person that I visited every country in the world that have uh, put a photo out from every single country. And also mm-hmm. I have... Um, I have put out a stamp of every single stamp I've received in my journey. Obviously, within EU, they don't stamp your uh, passport, but everywhere else that I've, I mean, where I've received a stamp on arrival or exit, I have put out at least one of those stamps. So I have the a, a proof that I've been to all these countries. Like, you have some travelers in the world that have uh, included airport stopovers. So obviously, if you just fly into an airport, maybe in Saudi Arabia, a very difficult country to visit, you don't actually get that stamp, and uh, and I think for that it, it does not count as a visit. Some people would argue that it does count as a visit, but you don't experience anything. It's just like another random international airport. So um, I have actually been inside all of these countries and have stamps and, and photos. I always say, like, you know, the, the conversation always comes about, oh, when do you count a country? I always count it, me personally, when you leave the airport, like officially leave the airport, you get your stamp, and you have a bite to eat or you do something in the country. That, that's just how I say I've been to a country. That counts. That's my, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that because some people would say you have to spend 24 hours, let's say, in Vatican City, but uh, hardly anyone at all visit Vatican City. I'm not even sure if there's hotels inside Vatican City you can stay in to, to stay there for 24 hours. So it's a bit pointless to have a rule where you have to stay X amount of days. Because if you have to stay 24 hours in Vatican City, then you'll have to spend maybe 100 years in, in, in the United States if you have to calculate it like, like that. You know, you can't make that minimum standard about how long you must stay in a country. Like for me, there was two countries, I think, or three, I didn't stay overnight. Uh, one of them was Syria during the war, um, simply because it, was, it would be pointless of me. I, there was no more I could see safely in Damascus. So as soon as I, I, I traveled from Beirut overland into Damascus, it would be pointless to, 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 to do anything more in Damascus because I already seen the city and it was, it was very dangerous to, to be in Syria at that time. So I, uh, I decided that it, to just visit it and take Syria off the list and have seen some of Syria, uh, Damascus sites that were safe to visit. I felt for me that was fine and I, I would not need, there was no point in just um, staying, uh, let's say, 24 hours for the sake of staying 24 hours. Now, the UN uses 193, and that's kind of what I think most travelers go by, the 193. Why is it, and hopefully you have the answer, that the Century Club and um, what's the other site, were most traveled people, why do they use, like most traveled people, it's like 800-something. That's, why do they use different numbers? Well, uh, the Traveler Century Club list is uh, territories and unique destinations in addition to United Nations countries. And then you have the most traveled people list, which is, also includes unique uh, uninhabited islands and uh, uh, many different regions around the world. So, for instance, um, Russia is into, I think, 200-something approximately um, different oblast, uh, which are their uh, regions. So it would take you a very long time to, to just travel around Russia. 
I mean, it's 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 a big and fascinating country, but to do all of them, would you you really need to have a lot of, a lot of time, um, because they will probably it'll probably be like just doing Russia alone will probably take you the same amount of time if you want to do it justice. That and maybe uh, visiting a whole continent. I mean, it's it's such a big uh, and diverse country. Um, so 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 for me, what I really want to do is the Traveler Century Club list because. There are many destinations. Um, let's say I want to do every country in the world. I think they're all interesting. I also mm-hmm. would like to do all the territories and unique destinations on the Traveler Century Club list. I think they're, they're interesting. But I wouldn't like to do all the regions of many of the third world countries. And I'm also not interested in doing all the regions of Russia because it just would take way too much time. And I'm, I only, I'm only going to live for maybe 80 to 90 years approximately. <laughs> I hope more, but you never know. But, um, so, so I don't think I think it's a little bit waste of time to travel too much in places that you don't fully enjoy, or that you um, let's say that you, you rather do other things. Like for me, for instance, what I prefer is countryside travel. I love traveling in um, Europe, the European countryside, and that alone it could be a lifetime project because there's simply so many things to do. The same thing with America and Canada. So onwards, I would like to focus my travel on this. Um, I like a great adventure, but I must also admit, after so much adventure, so many hits, so much uh, hitchhiking, and taking so many risks, I absolutely love being comfortable. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> now, what has changed? Because you've been traveling, I guess you know, quote unquote, professionally. What has changed the most with you that you think, besides Uber, which has changed the whole travel game? What has changed the most for you in the last five to ten years, the way you look at travel and traveling in general? Um, that's a difficult question. I think I'm a more open-minded person than when I started traveling because I've met so many people from all over the world. And I think it's amazing that I, I, I think I have friends or at least people I know uh, in, in every country of the world. Like if something happens in a specific country, I can contact that person and uh, and get some information or if I need to visit anywhere in the world, I know how to get there. I have um, contacts. Um, what changed in terms of travel is also that uh, I think if you can find out one thing, it would be that uh, low cost buses or bus travel in general, especially in the States, um, is now very popular. Um, it, it didn't used to be like that. And many of these buses are actually very comfortable and you have your free Wi-Fi and things. So for a budget traveler, now now that I don't, I'm not traveling on the extreme budget anymore. But I used to actually love taking those buses simply because they were very very cheap, and uh, it was a good way for me to sit and work in the buses, getting from A to B. Nowadays, I prefer more um, private car transportation. But I think you you can't be too fussy when you start traveling and don't have much money. So I think for that. It, it's really excellent with these low-cost buses. And, of course, combined with the low-cost airlines. So if you are on top of that game, you can really travel a lot, even if you don't have much money. Now, let me ask you that, because I'll tell you, one of my big problems, I'm like an obsessive person, so my OCD comes in. So I, eventually, my lifetime, my goal is to visit every country in the world. I want to go there tomorrow, but I'm doing it, in my opinion, and for various reasons, you know, slow and steady, eight countries this year, ten. Yeah. Let me ask you if... if you felt this way. Um, so, like I said, two months ago, I wanted to see the Colosseum and the Sistine Chapel. So I flew to Rome. I did Rome for four days. And then I met up with my buddies who were in, uh, in Stockholm, Sweden. 
So I feel like, okay, I knocked out two countries. Do you feel that like, okay, and I, I've been invited back to go to Rome or let's go to Venice or Florence. And I feel like, nope, I already did it. Did you feel that maybe you neglected other cities because you quote unquote did that country? It depends. Um, sometimes I like to spend very long in one country also because it, it, it gives me time to plan other countries. So let's say okay. you flew into one country. It's very easy to travel around that country. But if, if let's, for instance, in South Africa, I've spent many months in South Africa. It's, a, it's been a great base for my travels. Um, so it's very, it wins me a lot of time. I stay there. Cost of living is very cheap. I can travel around while I, I try to get maybe a sponsorship for another African country and things like that. But I, I think I can relate to it when it comes to, um, say, some of the African countries where I have only been to one or two cities. I don't really have the need to, to visit the top 20 cities in, uh, in the Central African Republic. It's been fine for me to just visit Bangui. I've done that country. Yeah. <laughs> I have the feeling with those places that I don't like too much. But with Italy... I think if I had the mindset like you, you have a, a full-time job, right? And you have limited time to travel. If you want to reach your goal of visiting every country in the world, you can't simply go back to the same countries all the time because you probably you probably have to live to two, until you two, it take you 200 years to visit every country if you did it like that. So you have to make some sacrifices along the way. Although I would say that Italy is uh, one of my favorite countries in the world, and I spent many months there, so I, I definitely would love to keep coming back. But now I've been to every country, so I don't have this, this thing anymore. But I, at that time, yeah, I definitely felt it was more important for me to get to a new country than going back and relax in some of my favorite countries. What's the one thing or the first thing you do in every country? Like you land in, let's just say Budapest. What's the first thing you do in any country, the first thing? Well, Budapest is a bad example for the answer I was planning on giving you. It, I, I planned, uh, I mean, what, I, I, what I plan on telling you is I always try to take a photo of my stamp right after I land so I don't forget because it's yeah, been very it's good. It's my proof. And yeah. you, you, you can lose your passport, you know. You, you want to have a photo of that stamp. And uh, that's usually what the first thing I do. Then, of course, I try to, of course, get from the airport with public transportation unless someone is picking me up or things like that um and let me see what else the first thing i do um i definitely try to plan ahead of time what do i need to see in this city or this destination mm -hmm. what what are the most important things so you evaluate uh, i have this amount of time maybe i can do the five most important things i i've often asked um just people what would be give me five things that are the most important you would say to see and I combine that with, of course, searching on the internet. And I, I very much like this website called Wiki Travel, a Wikipedia oh, for it, travelers, yeah. so to speak. You probably know it, yeah. And I think it's very good because it gives you a good guideline to, a good guide for for your for your visit to your um, to your next country or destination, and also some inf uh, helpful tips on obtaining a visa to your next country. I, I'm not. How many? Can I ask you how many countries have you been to so far? I think I'm at thirty. Five. I'm at 35, and I'm going to Africa in November, and we're doing five there in th two and a half weeks. So I'll be at hopefully 40 by the end of this year. That's great. When you get, I think, above 100 countries, at some point you will reach that time probably where most of the time you will have to apply to get a visa to your next country. And that period is not 
I'm just warning you, it's not going to be super fun. Uh, I know. Visas. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just really a pain. But but for me, it's I it really pays off to do a lot of research on finding alternative embassies to get your visa than in your home country because often in your home country they will have uh, a lot of requirements that you don't need in Africa. Usually in Africa, money just talks. So uh, I'll tell you, Equatorial Guinea visa, I tried to get it in several places, um, didn't get it. And I got to Lagos, Nigeria. I got it in a few hours uh, and I just um, wanted money. So, and then of course I explained my, my story to them about what I was doing and uh, yeah, I would like to help. And this was the price. And that was, that was, that was a fair price. It's almost the same as, uh, as I expected to pay. So it's um, it, 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 that, it, obtaining visas in Africa itself for African countries is a great idea. It's one of the best tips I can give on um, someone that want to, to someone that wants to visit every country in the world. Especially Rabat in Morocco is perhaps the single best place in the world to obtain visas. Now, let me ask you a question. During this journey, this quest, this amazing goal, did you ever want to give up for it? Because like I have, I told you, bad OCD. I set these stupid goals of 52 books in 52 weeks and 52 this in 52 weeks. Did you ever say like, I got, I want to quit, and you just and you didn't do it? It was there a moment or a thing where it almost broke you? Well, the worst thing that happened to me, uh, it was in the Andaman Islands between mainland India. It belongs to India, between mainland India and Thailand, I think it's located. And um, it took me six months to get okay. Um, absolutely horrible. Uh, first a week where my body was very weak and uh, I flew back to the mainland to get uh, to rest and get to hospital. And I couldn't sit up for landing. It was absolutely horrible. I couldn't breathe, really. I couldn't breathe properly. Oh, God. Um, yeah, absolutely horrible. Very bad food poisoning. And um, then uh, after a week, I was ready to fly home. I was planning on also doing another part of India on that trip, but I canceled that. Um, so I went back home. And um, then actually on the next trip, I went to America. I booked these uh, tickets with the Megabus. Uh, I think I booked 25, 30 destinations for a little more than $30. I just was very lucky on getting those $1 tickets and putting it into an itinerary. But this was one of the, I, I really love, it really helped me a lot that low cost buses came along in, in my travels. And then um, I was sitting on the highway uh, from Atlanta to, I can't remember, it was probably, could have been Birmingham, Alabama, maybe or something. And uh, I just couldn't breathe. It was the middle of the night. I couldn't breathe inside. The, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to leave the bus, but I couldn't. I was on the highway, and and it came <laughs> as it, it kept it, it came back to me all the time. This this problem from India, even several weeks uh, later, and also m months later, um, this problem with with my breathing ability came back to me, and it became some kind of anxiety and. Uh, yeah, so actually, I think around six months later, I got I felt very bad. Uh, let's say emotionally, uh, I had this anxiety. I I couldn't. I was I was just. I didn't feel like travel at all. I canceled the trip to New York and Bermuda. Um, and then um, I I I I, uh, I I worked on it and. Uh, 
And then uh, after some some weeks, I was ready to travel again. But it was a very, very hard period for me. And then later, I think it was October, November, those problems I had with my stomach um, was almost gone. So I had, I, I really have this, I think I haven't had it now for one and a half years, this, this problem with, with, with breathing that was absolutely horrible. And uh, you don't want to do, do that. You don't want that even if you're back home or if you're traveling, but just not being able to breathe properly, is, it is terrible. Now, before we continue, just plug your Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, your, web, your website's awesome, by the way. And I really mean that. I was having a blast on it, just checking out your pictures and your stamps. So just plug everything so everyone who listens now or later on can uh, follow you and get to know you a little more, too. I like that because they always put this question in the end, but you put it uh, midway through, so I like that. Um, HendrikTravel.com. Uh, it's H-E-N-R-I-K Travel.com, and that is the same handle, Hendrik Travel, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hendrik, you I, – and I, I promise you, I don't want to do the whole tell me this country, tell me this country, but two questions I'd like to ask anyone who travels. Was there – and I want like both answers. Was there a country that you had extremely high expectations for that failed to meet your expectations and vice versa? Did you go to a country like this is going to be horrendous and it turned out to completely be different and you loved it? I can't really pick a country where I had high expectations and it failed, but I can pick a territory for you that is world famous. It's called Bora Bora. Have you heard about it? Of course I have, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful place. It's probably as beautiful as the Maldives, but the service is absolutely horrible. And uh, it's located in the in the in the in the Pacific. And you, I mean, when you're there, you want to have a local experience. But instead, they have maybe 70% of staff are flown in from Europe. And uh, I felt they were very lazy <laughs> and not very passionate about working there. Uh, probably uh, too homesick, and uh, I, I felt it was very, very, a very, very disappointing experience. Just because you would at least expect a certain amount of service in such a place, but um, the service was very bad. Some of the worst I've seen in my travels in in Bora Bora. So when you when you have so bad service and lack of attention to details in places that cost a thousand dollars, sorry, a thousand euros a night, it was so even more than a thousand dollars, and uh, that was. Very disappointing. I think if I if I had paid myself, I would have been absolutely. I, I mean, out of my mind. I, I don't know. I would have been very very disappointed for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I just get in. I stayed in so many luxury hotels, and I must say there are so many that don't do. Where I'm, I'm disappointed, but I, I don't have the need to have an extraordinary experience anymore because I've had so many experiences, but. When a, when a hotel fails completely on service, um, it's something I don't like um, to experience. Now, you're, I guess, an expert on doing the whole budget travel thing. And without the hitchhiking, because I, I don't want to be kidnapped, I was just offered a few days ago, a guy I work with, he's, uh, he's from Pakistan, and he invited me to go with him, promised me you'll be safe, nice little village. He's like, go there for two days, and then go to India, and go on your way. And obviously, I'm going to take him up on it. Now, in my journeys, like I want to say I want to go to – I don't want to just walk into a country, have a dinner, and leave. I, I do love experiencing it and experiencing the locals. Can you give me maybe um, a territory or a, 
maybe a fist of a bunch of different countries that you can quote unquote bang out in like a short period of time. Like Europe is very easy. We did Europe, you know, you three days in each country, take the train, cheapo air, nice, easy jet, cheap flights. Is there a, maybe a, a cluster of countries you can go to quickly that you recommend? Oh, yeah, but before that, I, I want to point something out. Hitchhiking is very safe and part of the culture in uh, quite a number of countries around the world. So please, when you get to the Pacific and you see local people doing it, do, it, do, 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 do the same. I mean, save a lot of money on taxis in those places. Um, if you do it in America or New York City or somewhere, I'm sure or Johannesburg, like I did, that's not places <laughs> to do it. Uh, but, yeah, no, definitely. But, but try Try to do it in the Pacific and maybe some Caribbean islands, especially the very small Caribbean islands. Uh, you will have an amazing time, and it's a great way to experience the local culture. And uh, I've experienced number of I've been hitchhiking with more than 1,000 cars, and I've experienced multiple times people have taken me around. Iran is a very safe country to travel. An English teacher picked me up from the airport, uh, took me into uh, Tehran, uh, showed me the, some of the city, and took me to my hotel. Um, and that was because I was angry. There was no bus going from the airport into the city. There was only taxis, which would have cost maybe $25, $30, which was above my budget. So, um, so definitely try and hitchhike. Start getting a good experience in the South Pacific. And now I'm ready to go back to your question. I just wanted to point that out because <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm I very much I love right. hitchhiking. Yeah. Um, so your question, you wanted some countries to recommend uh, me to recommend you some countries you could do for a few days. Was that the question? Yeah, basically, like, for example, my friend Alan's coming. We want to go just I'm just going to use Pakistan. We go to Pakistan for a couple of days, then go to India. But if there's is there like a cluster where you're like, hey, you want to hit up five countries, maybe two days in each country. Go here and you can go boom, 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 boom and get five countries knocked off. Well, then that would be the Pacific because I do think that two days is a bit too, uh, a bit too, it's not much time, and especially not in a country like Pakistan. Um, I would say the bigger countries, you do need more time and try to, try to travel a bit around. Um, in terms of the small countries, uh, it's really where, you, I mean, small islands, especially the Pacific and the Caribbean, are two destinations where you can really. Uh, boost your number of countries you have been to. I mean, you can really get it up high by, by doing, a, let's say, in, in the Caribbean, do between five to ten islands in a two-week trip. That would, that would be fine in some of the smaller Caribbean islands, I think. But I think for you, if you need someone to believe in your project, um, definitely for me, it was very important to bring my number up high at an early stage. So I would do many small countries, um, first uh, or in the first part of the of the project so i think that would be a good recommendation for you to to do all of the caribbean now and also it's located relatively close from new york city and uh, the flights are often very cheap i i, I follow this uh, twitter account i think it's called secret flights and they they have really amazing cheap flights to the caribbean all the time and um, and then the, the pacific when you do that uh, some of them, I mean, like Fiji, I could I could spend months in Fiji. I mean, it, it's it's an amazing country, but um, you can jump around those those countries, and they don't require the same amount of time as a country like Russia, Pakistan, or South Africa. Now, you got to take me through this because, like I said, I love completing goals, whether they're stupid goals or little goals. And I hope you haven't answered this, and I hope this interview is not as generic as usual. Take me through 
country 193 getting the visa getting to the country i actually don't know what the country is i didn't i didn't look that up and the feeling was it a feeling of relief or joy so take me through 193 yeah actually i was i didn't get the visa beforehand it was in eritrea um arrived in asmara the capital and uh, i had this letter from the tour operator i didn't know if it would work out so uh just because it's not like a country where you have 200 positive reviews of each tour operator so you don't you don't know how it's going to be but it went very well and uh, i got my visa um for the correct amount of money as expected and i got in they took he took me to my hotel and all the electricity was off so i couldn't share that moment with anyone just went to bed and it was <laughs> wait, 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 what yeah. happened? The electricity was off? Yeah, at the hotel. I think that's the first time it happened when I arrived at a hotel. Maybe a lot in Africa, but otherwise not. It was completely unexpected. So no Wi Fi and uh, I just went to bed and I was not very happy because I was frustrated. I I, 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 50% of me was extremely happy, but the other 50% was, was, was uh, frustrated. Um, so I, um, I just went to bed, and I, I, it was just a completely mixed feeling, uh, and also a bit of sadness. I think I have to put in there because I, I have now ran out of countries. I mean, this, I'm never going to get that to have that to fight for anymore in my life. Like right now, you have this goal, which is something you can think about all the time. I mean, in terms of plan, and every time you get to a new country, it's an excitement. You know, I'll never get that again. So that's. Um, that's 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 really uh, you have to enjoy it while you uh, you are in it. And and that's what I am doing. I actually it, it, it's such a silly obsession. But let me ask you a couple other questions. My friend John, who's my travel buddy, he he just texted me. He's listening, and he said, if right now, besides your beautiful country of Denmark, if there's one city or one country you can live in, what would it be? If you had to leave your country and live somewhere else, forget about traveling, just move somewhere else. Where would it be? Well, I love my country, so I can't pick that one because that I think that they take very well care of the people. I like that, um, and mm-hmm. it's perhaps the most equal country in the world. But I will give you another one: um, New Zealand, perhaps, because it's 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 kind of the same. People are similar to to my people, and uh, it, it's just a beautiful country, and it's very safe. I enjoy it a lot. Uh, one of the options I look at at the moment is I would like to spend more time in, in Los Angeles and travel is more around in California, uh, maybe in the winter season when the weather in Denmark is, is, is quite bad. So um, I think, uh, but I could only name one, so I, w- I would say uh, New Zealand. Now, what I do, and I think what everyone does, is that you pigeonhole people. When I interview a football player, all we talk about is football. When I interview an author, we just talk about that book. So besides traveling, what else are you into? What else drives you? What else? Because you, you, obviously traveling is it. That's what we're talking what else are you into? Uh, movies uh, is my big interest. Uh, I did not have many big dreams in my life. I was uh, just planning on getting a a job and and uh, and a job I, I probably wouldn't like. I was I did not have many expectations about what to do with my life, and then travel came along. But uh, movies is um, was I was just happy if I could go to school. Uh, get through the day and then watch a movie or two, especially independent films, uh, foreign films. Uh, absolutely love. I think it's it's art when you get to see an absolutely amazing movie that it becomes art. 
Um, so mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, I, I haven't actually watched the movie since I returned to Denmark a couple of months ago. I'm back to get a driver's license, but uh, it's simply because of lack of time. But when I had a lot of time in my life, I I loved watching um, watching movies, and that's um, that's one of my interests still. I like uh, what else? I like uh, football, or you call it soccer in Denmark. Of um, course. And, Who's your team? Uh, yeah, my dad is in. Sorry. Who's your club? Who's your favorite team? Uh, my dad is chairman of uh, the first division club. Sorry, second division club. Hopefully, first division soon. But a club where I'm I'm from, and uh, and I follow the local teams. I'm not into the big teams where I never get a chance, perhaps to to meet the players or to uh, interact with with people. I like that. I know the, the players. I know the the people in the club, and uh, and that when you have that local feel. I, I like that a lot. Uh, it's probably something a, a person in New York can't relate to coming from a, a smaller town. But, uh, but for me, that, that is special for me. So I, I support them. And, uh, and uh, that's, that's not something I do fanatically, but I, I hope always they do well. I follow their games online when I travel. Um, so so that's, that's, my, that's my team. And uh, besides this, my big interest is in food. Um, I think it started <laughs> when I began my world travel, but... I think really when I got sick, I decided to read a lot about um, healthy food. So now I try to eat a lot more healthy. I try to, um, I try definitely to to eat as um, as good as I can. I'm not a very good I'm not very good at cooking. So when I when I go back to travel and again in the future, it's going to be focused a lot on uh, on those Michelin restaurants as we were talking about earlier. First food when you get back to Denmark, what's the first thing you're craving? Actually, I'm not craving for anything here because if I if I sit in an, in in a, in a Michelin restaurant in Paris or in in France somewhere um, or in Italy, I uh, I experience some of the best food in the world. So there's absolutely nothing I can complain about uh, or miss from home that can that can compete with that level of food. So I don't really miss anything. Now, you've, you've doing this show now 45 minutes, and I really appreciate it. And I just want to ask you one other, I guess, generic kind of big question. When people always say, oh, you can't visit every country because you can't visit North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, you made it seem on your website that it's fairly easy to get there via tour group. With those three countries, you spoke very highly of them. Did you enjoy them? And was the visa as easy as it was to get into those countries? Yeah, they're very easy countries to it. You said Afghanistan, North Korea. What was the last one? Saudi Arabia. Oh, Saudi Arabia is difficult, but the two other ones are very easy to visit. Um, and and, and I, I absolutely loved my experience uh, in, in North Korea and in Afghanistan as well, but especially North Korea is the most interesting country in the world. Um, why, and people always, that? I mean, even... It's a surreal experience um, how they run the country. I mean, you, you just you, you've probably seen these news, um, the news from from North Korea. Um, everything is like uh, com- stepping into a completely different world. It is like they are isolated from the rest of the uh, 192 countries in the world. Uh, how they do things, and uh, it's like they pick you up in the airport and then they take you to a, an empty park, and suddenly a a woman comes in and she's completely dressed up like she's going to, the, to be in some kind of show. And uh, it is a great show. It's the, you could say North Korea is the greatest show on earth. It's, uh, 
it's uh, it's fantastic. And also, if you do it privately, like I did with a, with a friend, uh, we actually uh, we we had many of these sites to ourselves. So you just stand there. It's not like if you go to New York, you you can't take a proper good photo of of many different things because there's too many people. Um, but in North Korea, when you do a private tour, go there with your friends. You can have that those even World Heritage sites for yourself and take the most amazing, stunning photos. Um, they have very beautiful nature as well. Um, Saudi Arabia is, you talked about, that's really interesting because I don't think a tourist visa exists. So it's it's very difficult to get in, but I was lucky to get Radisson Blue to sponsor me. So it ended up being actually a fantastic trip. What is there any other records that you want to break? Like you seem like you set awesome goals also. Is there anything you want to not just break? Like I, I think I read that you were on like, how many flights have you been on? Is there any other records you want to achieve? Yeah, I'm not much into records. I think they're nice to have, but ultimately I, I do travel from, for what I want to do. Like I could try and break a record like most travel people and that, but that will only be for the sake of it. I, it's not really because I would love to, to do all of that. And I think many world records in the world, they are very extreme and not something that would be very enjoyable. Like I travel because it needs, it, it must be enjoyable. So I am planning to do a lot of travel that does not involve any records, uh, mostly countryside travel and, and luxury travel. But uh, to get back to your question, I have actually applied to get the world record for flown most amount of airlines because I got sponsorships from a lot of different airlines. So while Americans, especially with all the credit cards and things, they would stick to different alliances and, and maybe fly relatively few amounts of airlines. Uh, mm-hmm. I've flown all kinds of airlines and uh, I, I have flown more with more airlines than the current record holder. But the Guinness Book of World Records, they have so many different requirements. And uh, one of them is you have to make a video of yourself. And I've, I don't think I've ever filmed myself on board a plane. So it's quite difficult. But I have kept the boarding passes, I think, of almost every flight and e-tickets of many of the flights and things like that. So it's just a matter of finding the time to put to get all of this and then sending it to the Guinness Book, Guinness Book of World Records. But it's not... It's not really important for me, but it's a nice thing to have. I'm, I would say that the, the blue check mark I got on, on Twitter is much more important for me because that's, I'm doing a lot online, and this is what people uh, often look at instantly. Um, so that, and I mean, when I'm in, interviewed by the Independent or CNN or, I mean, things like that, that's something I'm, I'm, I'm proud of because not many people from a small town in Denmark with 400 people can say they have had the chance to, to do those things um but i mean i'm mostly proud of my travels but 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 that i'm getting into some of the world's biggest media is i think exciting because i like to talk about my my, my travels and as you can hear in my voice now throughout this interview i absolutely love talking about it and i love doing lectures and i mean teaching young people how to travel cheaply is also one thing that makes me happy because many people don't think don't think it's possible for them because they think it's too expensive but it's not. You can travel uh, on a very, very low budget and still have an amazing time. Okay, we're going to finish up with these last two questions. Any thoughts or ambitions of maybe writing a book, making a documentary, or doing anything on that level? Yeah, I um, I did a book called Chasing 193. Uh, actually, Lee Abamonte co-wrote the first book, and then the second edition I co-wrote um, – with Ryan Trapp. We both did it with Ryan Trapp. And uh, that's a, a book about 20 travelers in the second edition, 20 travelers 
journey to every country in the world. So I share some of my stories in that one, but I would like to do one personal one, a bigger one at a later stage. Um, you can get that uh, book on Amazon, by the way. I think I better t say that. So keeps Ryan happy. Uh, we, we, it's important to do marketing for all these kind of, that's why it, it takes, it takes time. And one thing is getting the book out, but all the marketing you have to do, it's really, ah, oh, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it's, it's so time consuming with the, the, the job you, I have, uh, um, pretty my travel thing, which I call my job. Um, what else you asked me about uh, writing a book, a documentary, actually I have had, um, I've been in contact with two producers that would like to do something with me. So, but I haven't had time to travel to America and meet up with them yet. So, but hopefully, hopefully soon. Uh, I have an issue because I've been to Syria, and if you've been to Syria and I think three other countries, um, you have you cannot no longer just arrive in a, an American a visa waiver. You have to obtain the visa at your um, your, your your embassy, an American embassy. So, I. Um, it, it's more difficult for me to visit America now, but um, I look very much forward to, to getting back and complete. Um, I, you talk about goals. I like to complete um, every American state and every territory on the TCC list. I have been That's to all... 32 states and mm -hmm. I have 18 left. Favorite travel quote? Uh, tr that's a very, because there's so many good ones. Um, I think the one, is it the one from Mark Twain that you're probably more likely to, um, what is it, regret all things in 20 years that you didn't? Yes. Do, rather than the ones you, that's actually one of my favorites. I, like, I used to, yeah, I, in 20 years from now, you'll regret the things that you didn't do rather than the things you did. I actually love that one. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, you can definitely regret, I have many regrets of things I've done in my life, but I think that if I, <laughs> if, if I had, I mean, if I had the chance, I, I'm, I mean, I think many people do. I'm not, I'm not saying that I live, I've, I've made many mistakes in my life that I regret, but I'm also saying that, that I actually decided to go to every country in the world. I'm very happy that I don't have to regret that later. I mean, I put so much effort into that. So I really trying to do a lot. So I don't regret later on that I didn't do those things. Um, so I think that's, that's why it's a good quote. It really, uh, that people should try and uh, do a lot of things that in, uh, of interest instead of just focusing on um, the mistakes that they have made in their lives. My favorite is traveling. It, make, it leaves you speechless and turns you into a storyteller. That's always my favorite one. Yeah, I, I like that. I've shared that on Twitter as well. Uh, I shared some good quotes I read from time to time. I think it's it's... Twitter is my favorite social media by far, by far because you don't on, on Facebook you can't post more than I think once a day. Uh, I mean it would be, you can, but I think it would be bad to do that. Uh, while Twitter, it's good to you can post several times a day. Okay, listen, my friend. Speaking about Twitter, I'm going to tweet this interview again right now. Um, so if you can retweet it for me, and I had a great time, man. I had an absolute blast with you. And just plug your website and your Twitter and everything again because you're beyond fascinating, my. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I uh, I would love to meet up at some point, and uh, if I can help you with your your journey, you my email is always open, or you can uh, message me. Um, uh, my 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 website is hendricktravel.com, and there's also uh, if you click on contact, people can uh, can use that form to to email me any questions or whatever. 
And uh, on, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the handle is Hendrik Travel, H-E-N-R-I-K, Travel. Now, Hendrik, should I give out your WhatsApp number? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the air, please. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my friend, and I really mean that. When you do come to New York, everything we said we were going to do on WhatsApp, we'll definitely do it, my man. We'll get together and we'll set some, uh, we'll set some cool things up. Sounds great. I, uh, I look forward to visiting New York again. I've spent maybe a month or two and once and a half probably. Love the city, so I will keep coming back. My friend, thank you so much. Uh, you're an inspiration to all travelers, and you really are. Um, as we're doing this show, a buddy of mine, Alan, my friend from Argentina, is listening, and he's like, 193 with all exclamation points. So you are an inspiration, and just thank you for taking an hour to speak to me and just talking about your journey and just everything, man. You're awesome. Thanks so much. I uh, appreciate it. Likewise, and um, I loved, I loved it. it uh, I love talking about my experiences, and I want to um, to share them with the world. So, I, uh, anytime you want to do an interview again, I, my, uh, I, I'm always ready for that. I appreciate that, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you. Thank you, my friends. Everyone, thank you for listening. That was Henrik Jeppesen. Not the world, not the youngest person to visit all the countries. We'll have to find whoever that guy is. He was an awesome interview. Keep traveling. Thank you, everyone, for listening.